kiddos can go ahead and go to Children's Church. If you would just stand again, like a Catholic church this morning, huh? We're just standing. And <laughs> Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Our passage this morning is Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 26. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. By my coming to you again. Father, help me today to say only what would please you. Help me to guard my tongue. Help me, Father, to focus on Christ. Help our church today, Father, this morning to understand the confidence that Paul had here and how we can live a life that's with that same kind of confident expectation, our earnest hope, our earnest desires, God, that in nothing that we might be ashamed, that as always, God, we might proclaim your name with boldness. Father, I pray that we would see the needs of people around us and that would give us assurance and confidence that we are doing the right thing. Father, thank you for the prayers of your people that supplies the Holy Spirit to us, God. Uh, Father, this is the kind of life that you desire for each one of us, a life that looks to you in every situation, no matter what happens. God, we can look at life as a win-win proposition when we are surrendered and living for Christ. May that be our goal. May you teach us today how to apply these truths. We ask this for your glory and in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Um, living confidently, uh, that just sort of jumps out to you, doesn't it? As you read this passage, you can just see Paul's absolute confidence, his assurance of the things that were happening in his life that even though they were dire circumstances, Paul had been beaten, he'd been imprisoned, he'd been shipwrecked, and in spite of all those things, Paul knows that whatever comes into his life is for the furtherance of the gospel. He's very, very confident that even when people are preaching Christ with wrong motives, that as long as a true message is going forward, Christ is being glorified, and people are coming into the knowledge of the truth, and that he's going to rejoice and continue to rejoice. Um, so the Lord wants us to live 
with that kind of confidence in mind that, God, no matter what happens, life, death, doesn't matter. God, you are going to be magnified. You're going to be glorified. What, Paul, what gave Paul this confidence is the same things that can give you and I that confidence for life. These are spiritual principles that are eternal. And the Holy Spirit has written them down for us through the Paul's writings to the Philippians so that we vicariously can share in the same principles and guidance that he was explaining to his church congregation. The abundant life is not found in success. It's not found in comfort. Paul is not in comfort here. He's not a, a successful church planter per se. He's in prison. Um, he's, he's certainly not in, you know, enjoying his time here, but he is rejoicing. And he's joying in what God is doing. Now, we can um, have prosperous times and we can rejoice in those and, and we can be uh, surrounded with things that, that are comfortable. But those things aren't essential because if they were, we'd all be in dire straits one time or another. So what gave Paul this kind of assurance? If you look at the text with me, verse 19 starts out saying, For I know. Now, that's, that's a confident statement, isn't it? To say that I know. And what did Paul know? He knew that he was going to be delivered. If you look down at verse 24 and 25, we see the same thing. Verse 24, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you and being confident. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you. So Paul, even though he was in this dire strait, he was pressed between the two, and these were two competing themes in his life. One was to be with Christ. That was his goal and hope. He wrote the Corinthians and says, Though this outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day, and our light affliction is just for a moment, it's working for us a far eternal and exceeding weight of glory. We don't look on the things that are seen. We look at the things that are unseen. And if our earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we have one in heaven made without hands. So Paul was always hoping, expecting to be with the Lord. And that was pressing in on him. But then the call and the ministry of life, that was equally pressing and it wasn't that one choice was better than the other. But there were certain things that gave Paul absolute confidence that he was exactly where God wanted him to be and that God would put him where he needed to be in the future. Now, let's look at some of those things that, that helped Paul give, give him that confidence. Well, in the paragraph before that we looked at last week, Paul was confident that no matter what happens to him, People were going to hear about Jesus. Didn't matter. You put him in prison, and every single prison guard and all the others, every king, every governor, every judge, they were going to hear about Christ. He says, I'm confident. 
that the things that happened to me are going to happen to the furtherance of the gospel. And he was confident because he knew that what happened to him was going to embolden other people to preach the gospel as well. Many of the brethren, he says, because they've watched what I've endured, they said, you know what, I'm going to do that as well. And they preached Christ out of goodwill because of the love that they had for Paul. And they knew that Paul had been appointed, destined, to be a defender of the gospel. And Paul told the Philippians earlier that they were partakers in his defense of the gospel as well. So Paul was confident. Even when people were preaching Christ with the wrong motives, trying to put more afflictions on the man who already was afflicted, out of envy, out of jealousy, out of a party spirit, a divisiveness, Paul says, I don't care. I'm going to rejoice because Christ is being preached. So in this section under study today, we see about five or six more things that Paul says, I am absolutely confident about. Well, several things that he's confident about, but five or six things that gives him that confidence. So if we come to the text, we notice it starts with the word for. Now, unfortunately, in many of our study Bibles, They'll put a heading over this, and they'll separate it from the context. But when you have the word for, it's drawing in what Paul has just said in the previous paragraph. In the previous paragraph, he's talked about people who were preaching out of ill will, out of strife, out of envy, out of jealousy. And then he says, for... This, this is referring back to what he just talked about. All of this strife, all of this envy, these people who feign and pretend to be my friends, they're actually wanting to put more stress in my life. They are like Job's buddies. Say, this guy's already down. Let's make things worse for him. And Paul actually quotes word for word the book of Job. I didn't realize it until I started really studying this. And it's not that I'm a wizard. I've just got a good study Bible. It's got a little footnote, and it says Job 13, 16. I says, wow. Sometimes it's good just to stop and look at your little footnotes because you don't have to be a genius to figure these things out. I mean, I would have never gone to the book of Job there. But it's actually a quote from the Greek translation, and it's word for word. And you think about the context of Job. Job is under affliction. You, he, he's lost in everything just about. And his friends are adding to his afflictions. And what did Job hope? Job hoped that he would be vindicated and that the character of God would be put on display for who God really was. And so what is Paul saying? Paul's saying, I am just like Job, and I can have absolute confidence in God's word. So when you and I need confidence, our confidence needs to come from what is written in Scripture. And we can apply that scripture to our lives. And that's what Paul is saying. He's, I know this. Just as Job knew it, 
God, your character never changes. And God, you're going to vindicate your message and your messenger. Because it wasn't just Paul that was on trial. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ that was on trial. And Paul knew that he wasn't a criminal. He knew that he was captured by Jesus and he was willing to die for that message. So he says, I know that this is going to work out for my deliverance. So the word deliverance probably has the idea here of his release from prison. If you've got an old King James, it uses the word salvation. And that's actually the Greek word is soteria, which means salvation. But in this context, it means a deliverance, a salvation from the circumstances that I'm in right now. I know that this that I've just referred to in the past about all what they're trying to do to me and put more pressure on me preaching the gospel, it's going to work out for my deliverance. He was confident also because of prayer. And you and I can have that same kind of confidence. I looked out this morning in our congregation, and one of our parishioners well, I'm really sounding Catholic this morning. <laughs> One of our body of Christ, I don't see her. But I know where she is right now. And she is interceding and praying. And therefore, I have confidence that God is working and God is supplying the needs that I have by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, I'm confident, not only because I have complete, absolute Trust in the authority of Scripture. Just like Job knew God's character, he says, I know this, and it will turn out for my deliverance. And look at the means. Look at that little word, through. That tells you how he has the confidence. It's through your prayers and the supply of the Holy Spirit. Those are two nouns, but there's only one direct article. So that tells us grammatically that these things are sort of one and the same. They, they have the same essence or the, 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 the same uh, thought pattern. So when Paul says they are praying, they are praying and their prayers are being used by God to give a supply that the Holy Spirit produces. Comfort, encouragement, aid, help. He is our paraclete. He's the one who is alongside. He says, I will give you another comforter, and he will supply everything that you need. So when people pray, the Holy Spirit then energizes what we are doing. And Paul says, my confidence is because of the authority of Scripture and because people are praying, and we can live that same kind of confident life. I want people to pray for me, and I want to pray for you, and we need to be a praying church for one another so that we can walk through life confidently. When you know people are praying for you, boy, you are emboldened, aren't you? So Paul says, I am confident because of the Word of God. I'm confident because people are praying that I'm going to be released from prison. And this... this Deliverance that Paul is hoping for, if you look at verse 20, he says, it's according to my earnest expectation and hope. So Paul, he's saying here that, that my deliverance 
It's in harmony with what I am desiring. Now, that gives you an eye confidence as well, isn't it? When we delight ourselves in the Lord, what does he promise for you and I when we delight ourselves in the Lord? He will give us the desires of our heart. That's a condition. It's conditioned on those who are delighting in the Lord. And Paul says, I am delighting in you, Lord. And I know that my earnest expectation and hope is going to be fulfilled. I want to be delivered. Now, why did Paul have such confidence? Because he knew it wasn't a self-centered desire. It wasn't something that he was going to consume upon his own lusts. We pray and we don't receive because we receive it because we're, we don't receive it because we're praying amiss so that we can just do whatever we want to do. But Paul says here, my desire is in harmony with what I know God is going to do in my life. And I know people are praying for me. So another reason that we can have confidence is when our hearts and our wills are aligned with his will. We know that he hears us if we ask anything according to his will, and we know that we have the petition that we've desired of him. 1 John chapter 5. So we can see all these things that Paul is saying, I am absolutely certain what's going to happen. The scripture, prayer, his desires are aligned with God's desires. The next thing that Paul is confident of is found in the rest of verse 20. That in nothing... I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, so now Christ will be magnified in my body. Paul is absolutely confident that Christ is going to be magnified in his body. Now, what is the means of this confident hope? It's through prayer. It's through the supply of the Holy Spirit. The second clause, the second that clause, is that his deliverance, his outward looking, that his suffering that it's not because of inconvenience, he's not suffering out of fear, but it's because of the gospel, that in nothing now I will be ashamed. So Paul is talking about when I am brought before the court, when I've got to give an answer before Caesar, I know that I'm not going to be ashamed because of your prayer, the Holy Spirit's confidence that it gives me, that I am not going to shrink back in the time of testifying. Paul often asked churches to pray for his boldness. Ephesians chapter 6, he's in prison, he prays for boldness. Colossians chapter 4, he's in prison, he asks for boldness. Paul knows that they are praying for him. And because of their prayer, and because of the supply that the Holy Spirit gives him, he says, I will not be ashamed when I have to stand up and give a testimony about who Christ is and what Christ has done in my life. I am not going to shrink back. With all boldness, Paul was appointed for a defense of the gospel. Now, Paul is not self-confident here. It's not confidence in himself. Look at this verse with me. Notice where his confidence lies. So now also Christ will be magnified. That's where Paul's confidence lies, is that Christ, notice it's a passive verb. Christ will be magnified, and what is the means? It's 
by or in Paul's body. Now, the word body here is really a way of saying in every, every ounce of my very being, God, Christ is going to get all the glory. If they put me on trial, I get to praise Jesus. If they put me to death, people will know that I was willing to die for what I believe in rather than denying the power of the cross. That's how we can live confidently. That no matter what happens in our life, Christ wants our lives to belong to him. So the body represents here in this verse every facet of our being. Life or death. Look, look at the next verse. In my body, or the next part of this, whether by life or by death. This is sort of a figure of speech. It's an emphatic way of saying that no matter what happens, all-encompassing, every possible scenario that you can put yourself in, Christ can be magnified through your life. doesn't matter what you're facing. doesn't matter how difficult it is. Whatever circumstance, Christ can be magnified. So let's look at the reasons for his assurance. Why was Paul so sure that whether he dies, whether he lives, Christ is going to be magnified? Well, the next verse tells us why, and it something that you and I can apply to ourselves, verse 21. How can I live that confidently? Well, here's the answer. Because life is Christ. That's what it means to live. Colossians chapter 3 says this. If then, and the if doesn't mean I wonder if you have been, it's a first-class condition, which means I know that you have been. It could be translated, since you have been raised with Christ. Because that is a reality in your life. Now, to live is Christ. Because you have been raised together with Christ. Therefore, set your affections on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your mind on things above and not on the earth because your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So whether you live or whether you die, you are Christ. In him is life. And the life of men is the light that's within you. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made. That was, it, it, nothing exists without him. I guess that's, I can't quote it, so I'll just kind of mess it up a little bit. <laughs> but what, what John is saying, what Paul is saying in those verses, is that to live purpose in life, all those existential questions, the meaning of life, where did I come from? Those are answered in one word. Jesus. That's the purpose of life. That's the meaning of life. That's the source of life. That's where you've come from. And that's where we are going if we know Jesus. And we can live confidently. They can, the world can dish out whatever it wants because to live is Christ. 
And to die, he says, is gain. Now, that's not just a, you know, a, a well, whatever happens attitude. You know, I can't control it, so, you know, Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. That's not what Paul is really getting at here. He is convicted and convinced that he will be in the very presence of Christ. I mean, you think the worst thing that can happen to you is death? And Paul says that's actually the best thing that can happen to you is death. I can't wait. To get rid of this body, not because of the aches and pains, not because I have to take my glasses off and put them back on so I can see what's going on, although that would be nice. But the greatest joy is I won't have a sin nature that I have to drag around every single day. I cry out, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? I thank Jesus Christ, my Lord, who now gets the victory. And Paul says to die is so much better. And yes, he was in prison. Yes, they had beaten him. Yes, he had been shipwrecked. But to be in complete unity and communion and fellowship with Christ, folks, we can't lose. It is a win-win situation for you and I. And that's the confidence that God wants us to have in life. Every tough task is going to be done. Being a mother, being a grandfather, being a worker, whatever job it is that you've got right now, you just say, man, I can't wait till it's done. Well, it will be done one day, and we will be with the Lord. Now, there was another thing that gave Paul this absolute confidence. And that was when I, Paul says, when I get into a tight spot and I really don't know what direction to take, I will let God make the choices for me. What a way to live confidently. Now, Paul is not putting out a fleece here. He says, I am in a strait betwixt the two, old King James. And which one to choose, I don't know. So I'm going to just let God make the choice for me. That's what he's saying. But he's not saying, God, I'm just going to put out a fleece because I don't know what to do. Gideon put out a fleece because Gideon knew what to do. God had told him what to do. He just wasn't trusting. But when we get into this position where, God, I don't know what you want me to do, both of these things are wonderful ministries. Both of these things are incredible opportunities, and God, they're pressing in on me, and, and I don't know which way to go. That's when we just say, God, you make the choice for me, and God will make the choice based on two things, your spiritual giftedness and the needs of people around you. And that gave Paul absolute confidence. He says, I know what my gifts are. I know what God has called me to do. God had called Paul to be a church planter. God had called Paul to establish these believers in their faith so that they would have progress in their spiritual growth. 
and he knew that that was a desperate need that no one else could fulfill at that time. He was going to try to send Timothy. He was going to try to send Epaphroditus. But Paul said, I know that I am going to be released for your furtherance of your faith and joy. So Paul equated it with the need. Now, let me explain to you why I believe that Paul is saying, I'm going to let God make the choice. So verse 22, if you'll follow it with me. But if I live on in the flesh... So he just said, you know, to live is Christ. So now he's equating living to Christ with this first clause. If I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. That God, you're going to produce more things through my life if I live on in the flesh. To live is Christ. And then he says, yet what I shall choose. And the New King James translates it, I cannot tell. Now, some translations say, I don't know. But I think the New King James really captures the idea of this Greek word. The word I can't tell means I'm not going to reveal it. I don't have an answer. I don't... It, it, it escapes me from what I should say right now. Now, if we'll do just a little word study with me, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 9 because we see this word twice in two verses, and you can see how Paul uses this word. There are three Greek words for the word to know something. And this one really means to make it known. Okay? You following with me? There's oida, which means I know something factually. Gnosko, which means I know it factually and experientially. And then there's this other Greek word, which is pronounced gonorizo, which means to reveal something, to show knowledge by revealing it. So in Romans chapter 9 and verse 22 and 23, Paul uses this verse or uses this word twice, and, he, and it's translated to make known. So if you're reading in 9.23, Romans 9.23, and that he might, and here's the verb, that he might make known. So what is Paul saying here? He says, I have a desire to stay on and to keep on living because that means fruit, from the things I'm doing spiritually, my spiritual calling, but I can't even reveal it. I can't even make it known. I don't even know what it is, God. I'm going to have to just let go of it and let you make the choice. Now, look at verse 24 in Romans 9, 24. Even us whom he's called, not the Jews only, I'm sorry, uh, verse 22, maybe I already, so it's in, the, the verb is used in 22 and 23. So what if God wanting to show his wrath, and here's the verb, to make known his power. So that's the verb that Paul is using. It's not to know something, it's to make it known. It's to reveal it. 
So when Paul says, I am in a strait, there are two competing, two equal things that are just as godly, just as noble to be with Christ, to enjoy his fellowship, to be shed from my sinful body, or to keep on working. God, I, I can't even fathom which choice to make here. And so when you and I get into that place in life and we want to live confidently, that's when we just say, God, you make the choice for me. And as Paul begins to meditate on that, you can start to see the Holy Spirit working in his life as he's writing this letter. It's almost as if God gives him the answer. When he says, God, I'm going to let you make the choice, and he continues to write the rest of this paragraph, what does he say in verse 23? I mean, 20, yeah, 23. He says, I am hard-pressed between the two. I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So these are two competing things. Verse 24 is where Paul gets the answer. He says, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh, and here's the key for him, it is more needful for you. What are the needs and what is the gifting that Paul has? How can Paul honestly say that both choices, to live is Christ, to die is gain, to have fruit for my labor, to be released and to be with God, and these things are, are, are so competing that he doesn't know which one is which, that the word hard-pressed, that, that word means to be constrained. That's the way it's translated in 2 Corinthians 5.14. The love of Christ constraineth us. In other words, it surrounds us, it captures, it presses on. And so Paul says, I'm like in a vice grip right now. I don't know which way to turn. I'm going to let God make the choice. Yet, verse 24, he seems to be confident that God is going to make that choice, and he knows what that's going to be, based on necessity. Paul is driven by the necessity, not of his personal wants, not of his feelings, but how God can use him in other people's lives. So when you get into that tough place in your life, and you don't know which way to go, you just ask yourself, God, what are the needs around me? What are the things that I see that you have gifted me to do? And God, that's where I'm going to move forward in direction. I've been in that place a lot of times in my life where you just back off and you say, God, you're going to have to make this choice for me. And then God seems to guide you where the needs are the greatest and where you are gifted to fit in. And that's how we can live confidently. So Paul comes to this resolution. The first reason is for the furtherance of their faith and joy. Paul wants them to grow in appreciation. Paul wants to grow, have them grow in knowledge and to produce joy. And then lastly, in verse 26, he says, I want to see your boasting. Now, there's two clauses in this verse that that, that kind of go together. Um, 
in verse 26. So the word that tells us another reason why Paul is confident he's going to stay. So that your rejoicing for me may be more and more. But where is this rejoicing found? It's found in Christ Jesus. And how is it accomplished? It's by my coming to you again. So Paul knows that he's going to be released. He knows he's going to be delivered. And that's where we started this passage. For I know the things that have happened to me, he says, are going to work out for my deliverance. When he says that phrase, he's quoting from the book of Job. He knows the authority of Scripture. How can I live with that kind of confidence in my life? How can I live with absolute assurance if I am living in harmony with God's revealed truth in the Bible? That's pretty simple, isn't it? The second way I can live with that confidence is when I know that there is prayers going up. Paul said, I am confident through your prayers and through the prayers we have the supply, the comfort, the encouragement, the direction, the open doors that the Holy Spirit provides. Life is not found in possessions, positions, or power. True life is found in Christ. So we can have confidence that no matter what comes into our life, Christ is going to be magnified. No matter what happens, the furthest extreme they can take our life, Christ is going to be magnified. Life is filled with great opportunities and usefulness. Paul says, if I keep on living... That's just more and more opportunities to be a blessing to other people. Confidence in that. By knowing your spiritual gifts and identifying those in need around you, God will give you the direction that you need for life. So that's my summary. And I hope today that, that uh, you can have that same kind of confidence the same principles that Paul applied, we can apply them to our lives equally. So let's close with prayer. Father, God, this is a, a simple, simple passage, one that we love to quote. But God, today you've given it a real context for us. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Lord, I don't know where anybody's at this morning in our church body, Father, but you, you know every heart. God, there's, there's an array of needs that you know every one of them. And, and right now, Father, I have confidence through prayer. God, as I pray for our church family, God, that the Holy Spirit will supply whatever need that they have. God, I pray that they would just anchor themselves into the Word of God. God, when they come to those places where things are just discouraging, when everything seems like it's against you, Paul went all the way back to the most ancient book of the Old Testament the book of Job. He said, I know that this is going to work out for my deliverance because God, your character and the gospel of Jesus Christ has to be 
magnified. It has to be vindicated. God, I pray today that when we come to those difficult paths in life, God, and we just feel in despair, and we say, God, help me. I don't know which way to go. God, I don't know which way to turn at this point. Things are just pressing on me from both sides. Dual interests that are just as, just as important are pulling at me. I'm sure moms feel that way. Dads feel that way. Employees feel that way. Employers feel that way. God, I, these things are just like a vice. They're, they're surrounding me, and I don't know which way to go. So, God, I'm going to let you make the choice. And as I pray, God, about the needs around me and the way that you've gifted me, and God, you put me where you want me to be, where I can be used best to further your kingdom. That's what Paul was praying. God, in whatever tight situation I'm in, God, may the choice that I make right now be the best choice to further people's faith and growth. So God, today, I ask that you help North Valley Bible Church, God, as a Christian group of people, that, God, we would live a life with confidence. God, that we would live a life that says we are a win-win no matter what happens. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for this little letter and the way we can learn from it today in Jesus' name.